My name is Carl Anthony, and I work in the automotive industry in Detroit. Sometimes that work encompasses future vehicle technology, and that's what we talk about here, for the most part anyway. This is AutoVision News Radio. This segment of AutoVision News Radio is special. I'm talking with someone that I admire and look up to. Her name is Jennifer Tisdale, the Chief Executive Officer at Grimm, a cyber research firm headquartered in Virginia. Jennifer is a cyber economics strategist, recognized for building cybersecurity programs for industry, government, and academia. Her expertise is concentrated in a number of areas, including cyber physical systems, aerospace, smart cities, critical infrastructure, and advanced mobility including connected and autonomous cars. Jennifer is recognized for holding the first mobility job in the United States, formerly serving as the Cyber Mobility Program Strategist for the state of Michigan. Her work served as the foundation for bringing together automotive, defense, and aerospace under a robust cybersecurity umbrella. In 2018, Jennifer was voted one of SC Magazine's Women to Watch in Cybersecurity. And of course, since then, she's become the CEO of Grimm. Joining us today on AutoVision News Radio is Jennifer Tisdale. Thank you, Carl. It's a pleasure to be here. So back in 2013, you set forward with this goal of merging automotive and cybersecurity in the interest of public awareness and safety. So let's go back to that time in your life. How did you arrive at this goal? And you know, what did you see or, or what did you not see that led you to start working towards this vision? Well, I would love to tell you that it was part of some master plan (laughs) that I had designed and executed against perfectly. That is not the case. Um, So in 2013, I was new to the state of Michigan. I was working for the uh, Michigan Economic Development Corporation, MEDC. It's the largest marketing arm of the state, does all of the economic development for industry. And I was tasked at the time with growing cybersecurity as part of the economic strategy. We happened to be a part of an administration that loved technology, embraced cybersecurity in particular, and had the foresight to recognize that it would be important in some capacity. At the time, I wasn't quite certain what I was going to do with that assignment. So I did a lot of research, right? Um, And to take this really long story of a decade and condense it into a very concise quip for you, It resulted in a lot of research and investigation and interviews of subject matter experts that pointed very clearly to me that what was on the horizon would be embedded systems focused for cybersecurity. And it was this pivotal moment in my mind where I recognized that this is something truly unique. The automotive industry, the state of Michigan, and many other industries would benefit from traditionally in the Bay Area and the Valley. They look at cybersecurity through an IT lens and not through a product or embedded system lens. So this was unique for us. And so the more investigation that I did, the more research and and interviews that I conducted, we put together a strategy that was focused on embedded cyber physical for automotive and defense and aerospace, which, by the way, Michigan has a lot of and we never talk about it. Right, right. Um, (laughs) um, So this whole future mobility discussion on cybersecurity and people would glaze over, their eyes would literally glaze over when they would try to talk about cybersecurity in relation to automotive, either because it made them uncomfortable or they just didn't understand it, it was very abstract. And so when we started to put 
the messaging in terms of safety in relation to critical safety systems in the vehicle and talk about how it would have life and limb impact potentially if we didn't address cybersecurity on the front end, people started to pay more attention. That has its pros and cons to it. But that was the nexus point for me is that relation between security and safety for automotive and became something that I just sort of had increasing passion for. It was a, it was a message. It was a campaign almost to band those two worlds together. Jennifer, when we first met a, a couple of years ago, it was for an AutoSense event. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking you the most obvious question. And, and I want to ask you this obvious question again. What is cybersecurity? Give us your insight there. Well, you know, in its simplest form and in the traditional way that we view cybersecurity, it's typically in relation to the protection of electronic data, right? So our credit card information at a point of sale at a typical retail facility, our IT networks, protecting intellectual property that companies have within their networks and systems. Um, So that would be cybersecurity in its simplest form, right? In its traditional form, protecting data. Right. In relation to automotive, you know, we now kind of lean towards the phrase of cyber physical system security. That is where the data, the internet, the software, and the hardware all come together into one thing. So think of automotive in relation to internet of things, that automotive IOT conversation is really what we're trying to address when we talk about cybersecurity in automotive. So that is vehicle specific definition. How do we protect Carl's information when Carl sinks his phone to his car? Mm -hmm. Um, And we now know where Carl likes to go every day based on his navigation or his infotainment data. Or anytime you use an electronic payment on your phone, and is that feeding into the vehicle? Is that being harbored on the network of the vehicle somewhere? So these are the things that we're looking to protect in the most practical sense. From a more what I would call Hollywood-esque sense, which we know is in the realm of the possible, we're not certain how probable it is, is in relation to how can we manipulate the vehicle. That's an area where my company tends to spend the most of the most of our time, right? Is what can we make the vehicle do that it wasn't designed to do because of cybersecurity? And so so that's at a very high level how I like to look at cybersecurity in relation to the car, hinged on safety, of course. With the connectivity systems in vehicles, it seems mm-hmm. like our smartphones and our vehicles are just going to continue to merge closer together. Mm-hmm. There'll be more of that type of technology. There'll be more of an expectation from consumers that my car is going to pair with my phone, is going to pair with my digital life. And so you're saying it's important to protect that and cybersecurity and automotive at a baseline is about protecting that data. That's correct. And the so, operation. And the yeah. operation. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, and you're an advocate for this too. You mentioned it just a second ago, but you're also an advocate for something known as cyber physical cybersecurity. So, Jennifer, what is cyber physical cybersecurity? Let's dive a little deeper. Uh, help me get my mind around this concept here. So, cyber physical is anything where we have a device. Sometimes the device could be your laptop, it could be your phone, could be an insulin pump, and it can be a car. Sure. Right. So anytime we have a connected device or product that has software integration integration and mm-hmm. is also connected to the world around it, that is 
a cyber physical environment that we have created. Okay. And so the protection of that isn't just about the vehicle itself. And we're going to talk about cars because that's what that's what we do, Carl, right? We talk about cars. <laughs> that is what we do. <laughs> that is what we do. Um, so in relation to automotive, we now not only recognize that there could be vulnerability within the vehicle. And let me let me add real, really quick here. The auto industry has done a fantastic job of securing the vehicle for updating its security posture in relation to all of the technology that they've integrated into the cars. They've done a great job. Will there be work to do still? Yes, of course. Technology is ever-changing. The threat landscape is ever-changing. So it will be an ongoing process. Where I am now and really focused right now is outside of the vehicle, the world in which the car will be operating. Um, So we're hearing a lot of discussion about smart cities or aftermarket add-ons for vehicles, valet service, which I think is phenomenal also, Right. right? Like how convenient is that to never have to seek parking in downtown Detroit or any other urban center? It'll drop you off and go park itself. Fantastic. It also will pay for itself, pay to park off an app off your phone. It will use sensor technology to navigate itself back and forth to you. And all of this communication impacts the physical car itself. So it only takes one exploitation to ruin somebody's day. Right. Right. Or, Or hurt them. Right. And Jennifer, how do we go about then? installing. How do we go about the mm-hmm. process of installing cybersecurity protection into new vehicles? How do we build in cybersecurity just as we would any other feature? Well, it's a very complicated problem, as you might imagine, yeah. unlike other areas of safety in a vehicle where we're talking about seat belts or airbags or ADAS systems, right, where you can tell that the technology is effective. You get hit head on, your airbag deploys, you know that that safety feature worked, you experience it in a very dynamic and physical way. With cybersecurity, it's a bit more complicated because you can't see it. It doesn't have a kinetic effect oftentimes. Uh, We hope it doesn't. And so to be able to ensure that cybersecurity is impactful, it must also be a layered approach. And it will start as everything does, at the OEM level and with their suppliers as they integrate new technology and have new requirements that are becoming standard in the industry for how they test and try the security of any given new product. So this is true. We're seeing this as a result of the ISO SAE. I'll, I'll nerd out for a minute. It's ISO SAE 21434 is the exact number. It's getting a lot of buzz in the community because it's setting a standard for how OEMs and suppliers are to test for cybersecurity. It even alludes to, which is great news for Grimm and for my company, that there should also be neutrality testing, which means, yes, it's great that you as the product developer and owner conduct cybersecurity testing, but we would also like you to have a third party test it so that there's no bias. Right. Right. So this is relatively new. In fact, it's been about a year, maybe slightly less than a year since 21434 has been out in the world. And so it is an ever evolving exercise in how to test, what to test, what tools to use. And these are the things that industry is figuring out what the next challenge will be, because you can't just have one solution. And unfortunately, cybersecurity is never going to be one and done. 
It's not a checkbox. It's a living, breathing thing, kind of, Um, in the sense that the longer the vehicle is on the road, the longer you have your phone, right, the easier it is for the security to lapse. We don't have a lot of legislative activity or regulatory action uh, in relation to the auto industry yet on who's liable if security lapses, how do we manage security over the entire life of the vehicle. Most people get rid of their phones after three, four, five years. I'm probably outside the norm. Mine's a bit older than that. Right. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) But most people who are standing in line to get the latest version of whatever. Yep. Cars, not so much. If you buy a car, it's an investment. They're expensive. Uh They are increasingly expensive. And so a car will trade owners multiple times, maybe two Mm -hmm. or three times beyond the road for 200,000 miles or more. And so that security needs to be managed over decades and multiple users. And that's something that I think is still very early in discussion. So whether they're integrating what we would call like an intrusion detection system or technology or something that prevents intrusion, intrusion being a bad actor, manipulating the code in the vehicle, or whether we're doing security testing or whether we're pushing over the air updates to do patchwork on the software of the vehicle. There are a multitude of approaches that are being considered and used today, and that will evolve and change over time. Grim is that third party that can do the testing, right? Yeah. So usually when when a customer reaches out to us, and and this would be advice that I would provide to anybody, whether they were working with Grim or not, um, is to really get an understanding internally to where you're strong in cybersecurity and where where you're less strong, right? Oftentimes, if you're an OEM, you're going to have concerns about what you're integrating into your platform with the products and technology that you receive through your supply chain. And let's talk about male actors for a minute and sort of have, you know, introduce, if you will, that hacker mindset um, where they're going to go for the low hanging fruit. Typically, they understand that the bigger the company, the more robust their cyber strategy will be. And so the the lower on the food chain you you go and the smaller the business, the smaller the supplier, the more likely there are to be flaws in their system and the more easy it might be for us to manipulate the product to do something it wasn't designed to do. And so the very first question to the OEM is where do you think you're weak in your supply chain internally in terms of the technology integration, right? it's Mm -hmm. It's a discussion between our teams for where they'd like to focus. Sometimes they're the developer of the product themselves and they don't need to test the full vehicle. Maybe they just want to test a component. They're pretty confident in everything else, but there's this one piece that they feel might have some question marks around it. Sure, sure, <laughs> so, sure. so we'll scope that work with them, right? And we'll mm-hmm. tell them what's possible. Obviously, they have a business need too, right? They have a production timeline, budgetary constraints. Maybe they don't have much budget at all, but they know they have to do something. And so we'll try to find a solution that helps them meet their needs in the timeline that also meets their business and executive expectation as well, which sometimes those things are very divergent. We, you and I talked previously when we first met about the lack of, and now I'm air quoting, buy-in. <laughs> yeah, we just, you know? yes. yes, the literal buy-in. The literal buy-in <laughs> is that conceptually we know security is important, uh, but we don't have the budget sure. to actually buy into it. 
And so that has been a challenge, you know, since 2013, I've watched that challenge ebb and flow. It's better today than it was then. Uh, right. There's still a long way to go. Uh, but the most important piece of all of this is to make sure that not just the industry, but the consumers understand that when somebody's doing cybersecurity research, pen testing, dare I say, hacking right. on a vehicle, it's not a, sh- a sign of weakness for that product. It's actually the opposite. Agreed. It, it, it's a sign that they're they're taking your safety and your security to heart and that they're doing right by you. And And unfortunately, I think that in the auto industry in particular, I'm a little hesitant to say this, is that there's this shyness, this wanting to put their head in the sand when it comes to cybersecurity because they don't want to have it impact negatively their brand. Yeah, yeah. And I think we really need to change, we need to change that, that narrative, that story. And that's part of this campaign now too. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> there is enough work for everybody in cybersecurity. Right, it is right. not going away. Consumer demand, as you so intelligently noted, is increasing for connectivity, not diminishing for connectivity. Right. And whether it's a car, a phone, or anything else, we are connecting faster than we can secure it. And we don't have enough talent in the workplace to do this work. And we try to exhibit this at Grimm in large part because there is not enough talent, right? I have banished education requirements. I have hired people without, who've never gone to college, who have no interest in going to college, who have demonstrated technical skills and capability but are not interested in going to school for four, six, or more years. You know, I'm not turning anyone away who has higher education, but it's not a requirement. As an advocate for people behind cybersecurity, uh, among many other things that you do on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. what is your legacy that you hope to leave at the end of your career? This is probably the hardest question you could ask me. (laughs) Quite honestly, quite honestly. I guess if I were to envision, you know, one day, hopefully a retirement party for myself. And if I ever get to have one, it will be fabulous. And you will be invited, Carl. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. You'll have to show me, you'll have to show me what tablescaping is. I will. I, I do love tablescaping. Yes. I know you do. And I had to ask my sister-in-law what it was. And she's like, are you serious, Carl? <laughs> so, con- conversation everybody, for another time, but everybody needs a creative outlet. Yes. <laughs> so we'll have to make sure your retirement party is nicely tablescaped. Yes, please. I would appreciate that. <laughs> but but at that re- at that retirement party, you know, when I look into my kids' eyes or my friends and my coworkers and everyone that I've met along the way, I hope I hope people just realize that. Being a policy advisor and a CEO, they're great, but for me, they're just a byproduct. Yeah. I hope people remember that it was all about the advocacy for me. Um, it's what drives me. I'm a public servant in my heart. I no longer work for nonprofits or for the government, uh, but you cannot take the public servant out of my soul. And so for me, it's all about that. And if I get to do other cool things along the way, fantastic. But but the legacy was just trying to be an advocate to do the right thing for the right reasons in an industry that's near and dear to my heart. 
Jennifer, you know, my lovely wife, Danielle and I, we are both rooting for you. Just thrilled when the news broke that you became CEO of Grimm. I hope that we get to work together a few more times before uh, before those retirement parties that that, uh, that, that so. we both have. <laughs> I hope so, indeed. Thank you so much. I can't wait. I have to sit down and have dinner with you and your wife someday soon. And thank you so much for all of your support and for inviting me on your show today. Truly my pleasure, Jennifer. For more information on Grimm, visit Grimm-Co.com. That's Grimm with two M's, Grimm-Co.com, Grimm-Co.com. You can also follow the company on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube, and keep up with Jennifer Tisdale on LinkedIn as well. To learn more about cybersecurity and ways you can protect you and your family, visit ready.gov backslash cybersecurity. That's ready.gov backslash cybersecurity. In Detroit with Jennifer Tisdale, I'm Carl Anthony, AutoVision News Radio.